Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Push My Buttons Games podcast. This is episode 45, which Dungeon Master Mike has kindly named, you know what, fuck Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Can you all tell what this topic is going to be about today? <laughs> uh, uh, this is Captain Platinum, and I have with me Dungeon Master Mike. How you doing, bud? Only. One um, and only. I'm currently raising my blood alcohol level, uh, so that's how I'm doing. Um, cognac is tonight's drink. I haven't had my, my favorite tequila in a while. That's going to have to change pretty soon. Uh, it's one of those nights. It's one of those nights. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, so everyone, we are recording this in the middle of October. We You will probably get it close to Halloween. So, I mean, like, obviously, our podcast isn't exactly formatted so that you get the cutting edge news. However. Comma. Uh, comma. <laughs> Uh, we, we are recording this and, uh, it, for me, this is literally hot off the presses. Uh, so we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get into it. But dude, I just got to say too, it was awesome actually meeting you two weeks ago when we actually met in person to do an episode (laughs) like a year and a half of this. (laughs) Yeah. Funny story, everyone. We've been doing this podcast for a while and I, um, I should just send you guys a cardboard cutout of my image. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then just like put that next to you so that when you talk to me, you you can look at my cardboard cutout and be like that. That's Dungeon Master Mike, because Jamie and I have never met in person based <laughs> off of the information that I've heard. Uh, you and I have been in the same room before, but oh, probably. never actually like met <laughs> 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 like between, you know, get togethers or between um, like Fan X uh it's like, yeah, Jamie was there. Oh, <laughs> so this is the—that was the first time, you know, like we looked at each other in the eyes and we made a conscious connection of finally. <laughs> so, and all I had to go off of is your Facebook profile picture, which I'm going to set as my desktop background right now. So I'm just looking at you the whole time. <laughs> just, just picture my eyes staring. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just—I'm sipping some. Apple juice looking cognac. Um, Very nice. I've got some Woodford Reserve here, so I'm I'm partaking with you. Wonderful. We're gonna we're, yeah we're gonna flop up a little bit of the format tonight, right? Yeah, man. Let's just start with what we've been playing. What uh what have you been playing in the last couple of weeks? while you've been on vacation and just getting back into the swing of things after vacation? Yeah. So um my my parents blessed me with a new phone. Was that your birthday present? Sorry, that was my I had birthday to... present. Yeah, so there. I mean, I we we kind of we talked about it, and I went in because I had the Pixel Two. For everyone who uh, who knows, the Pixel Six just came out. So I've had this phone for like five years, um, and I, it's been falling apart. Uh, and I, I haven't been able to play Pokemon Go or any like phone games. So my dad decides, hey, you know what? We're going to get you a new phone. I was like, cool. I'll just get like a Pixel 4. And he's like, no, you weren't expecting like the top of the line. So I'm going to get you the top of the line. I'm like, whoa, dad, that's really cool. And he got me a new phone. And I didn't know Pokemon Go can look so good on a new phone. It is going by splendidly. Um, so Pokemon Go has been up on the list. I got back. I also started Bayonetta and uh, Bayonetta one because we talked about Bayonetta three being announced, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I don't know if I'm going to finish Bayonetta. It is very much Devil May Cry, although I feel like it was more advanced than Devil May Cry 
when it was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, the controls are by no means archaic. It is very slick. Um, the chaos and craziness gets amped up to 11 starting mission 2. Yep. <laughs> so it's by far one of the most insane games I have ever seen. Um, what are you playing it on? What platform? PlayStation 4 with the HDR upgrade. Okay. Because the PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Switch... Is the alcohol really hit me that hard? Wow. Slow down there, I, killer. I, I I haven't even I probably got through one drink. I by the way, everyone, I am I'm kind of on an empty stomach too. And the stress also kind of helps the intoxication. So there there's all that. Anyway, the Nintendo Switch doesn't have an HDR upgrade. Uh, and it's kind of lower fidelity graphics. So I decided, okay, I'll get Bayonetta one on the PS4. And then if I like it, I'll get Bayonetta 2, which is only on Switch. Um, and I'm really enjoying Bayonetta. It's challenging, I'll say that. And it's um, it's it's a lot of fun. So I started that. Uh, my wife has uh, given me a miraculous gift of Dragon Quest XI. Or that's how she pronounces it. It's Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> but she called me and she was like, "Hey, what are the Roman Roman numerals for uh, 11? And I was like, "It's X I Y." And she was like, "No reason. Don't think about it. Love you very much. I'll talk to you later." <laughs> so yeah, Dragon Quest X I. Um, so Did she? A- you playing that on PS4, or Xbox, or Switch? Because Switch. Switch. From what I understand, okay, there was some controversy about Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh, you getting like the definitive edition or something yeah, on Eleven, so, right? So the Switch comes with a definitive edition. You get some DLC download packs, and I guess there is a whole other part of the game that's added on to it. Whereas on the PS4 and the PC, that stuff, I don't know if you have to buy it separately or if it's just simply not there. But Dragon Quest is supposed to be one of those exclu- Nintendo exclusives. It's been that way since the normal. NES with Dragon Quest 1 or Dragon Warrior. And uh, there was also another controversy when it was released for the PS4 and the PC. The uh, uh, what do you call the guy that writes the music, the composer? Mm-hmm. He purposely for a time uh, deactivated the symphonic album the symphonic soundtrack on those versions of the game. You can only get MIDI files. For those who don't know, MIDI files are like 8-bit, 16-bit music files that are on old games. And you have that option to listen to a synthesized like MIDI version of the soundtrack while you play the game. But the actual like symphony orchestra that does the music wasn't available on the PS4 and other formats for a long time. For some reason, he put it all on the Switch. The excuse was he just hated Americans and <laughs> like he just wanted to make sure like it was like only the Japanese got it. He couldn't he couldn't pass. That's that's the rumor. That's like the story. Um, Rubber Ross from the Game Grumps has told that story on a previous episode of somewhere something super long ago. That's where I heard it from. Uh, but yeah, so I got the Switch version because I know it's the, it's the definitive version. It's the version that everyone recommends. Um, so I got it. Uh, or rather, she got it for me on the Switch. So are most of those just Nintendo? Because I remember 8 came out on the PS2. Yes. Uh, okay, so it's kind of gone back and forth. 
Because I think 9 was DS only, wasn't it? Yes. So 1, 2, and 3, which is, they're their own series. Okay, so Dragon Quest is different than Final Fantasy, where yep. uh, you'll have Dragon... Of course, of course it's different than Final Fantasy. What I was saying, what I was trying to get at was Final Fantasy is in our individual stories per game, but Dragon Quest can sometimes be grouped together. So Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3, which was a series, a connected series... Um, those were on the NES and then they have been ported to like the Game Boy Color. Um, they have been ported to multiple platforms. And now the um, Switch. And now the Switch. You can buy Dragon Quest 3, which is one of the best ones. It really is. Yeah, 1, um, 2, and 3 are on there. I actually picked them up because I had never played them. So that way, yeah, hopefully... So Dragon when... Quest 1 and 2, 2 especially has problems because the creators, the developers never played through 100% of the game. Can you believe that? They never played, like, they didn't play through 100% of the game, and then they released the game. So it gets wildly unbalanced. Um, but that has since been tweaked uh, and fixed with later iterations. Uh, Dragon Quest 3 was great. And then 4, 5, and 6, which is another series, those were PlayStation, I want to say. Maybe even they weren't released immediately in the States. Um, hmm, those seven, I'm not sure on. Yes, yeah, seven is an odd floater in there. I think maybe it was five, six, and seven. There's a trilogy in there. I think there's a standalone. But then eight came, and eight was a PlayStation Two game for a long time, and that was really a fantastic game. Dragon Quest Five, for anyone who wants to know, is also a really good game. But Dragon Quest VIII was uh, is one that everyone tends to know. That one has also been ported to multiple platforms. And then it's taken a hiatus. Nine was a DS exclusive. I never played it. My brother played it. He had said that it, though very, very good, it just it, it couldn't live up to Dragon Quest VIII or any previous iterations. It was just held back by the DS. Then there's Dragon Quest X, which was an online game. It was an MMORPG, uh, only released in Japan. So Dragon Quest XI comes out. This is the like the last time we got a full-blown Dragon Quest on a on a major console uh, with you know like up-to-date graphics because Dragon Quest IX wasn't. It was kind of like previous generation graphics. Um, it it was Dragon Quest Eight was the last time we had it, so mm-hmm. that was like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, a long I wanna time s- ago. Yeah, I want to say two thousand four or five. Yeah, it's so Dragon Quest Eleven comes out, and now they've announced Dragon Quest Three, but it's a remake of Dragon Quest Three. It's not a remaster. So that's another one I'm looking forward to. But Dragon Quest Eleven, I just cracked it open. I have a little bit of time in it, not much at all. And it's very, it's, you know, very, very, uh, how do I say it? Like, Dragon Ball. It's very Dragon Ball-esque. It's like fantasy Dragon Ball. Um, so I've been playing that. And then uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. I haven't picked up Mass Effect 2 or um, the Legend of Heroes series back up yet. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to quite yet. Uh, but those two are on hold. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I have just been basically playing, you know, still Galaxy of Heroes. The community is still just kind of 
wishy-washy right now. They've added one new character. We got Fennec Sean from the last season of The Mandalorian. That was our last um, our key character. That was last week. So we'll see where this goes. I mean, just uh, it's just so much negativity in the game right now. So we're just yeah. curious to see where it goes. <laughs> like, so I want to tell you about that. I for the first time have seen advertisements for Galaxy of Heroes. All of a sudden, EA is pushing advertisements. Weird. And maybe because I'm playing another game. I forgot that to mention. I'm playing a near, not replicant. It's called Near uh, Re- uh, Reincarnation. It's another mobile game. I'm enjoying it, um, but I'm not sure if it's be- if it's because I play that game or not. But all of a sudden, I'm getting targeted ads for Marvel's two games, their MOBA and their other like gotcha games, and um, the Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. So that's interesting. I feel like with the increased advertisements. Maybe they're trying to get a new player base in because the other player base is slowly leaving. Yeah, I know a couple streamers have just stopped even streaming it too. So they're just like, meh, there's really nothing to do, nothing cool. So we're just going to move on. Uh, And like even the one I follow quite a bit, he's playing now New World. Did that just launch? Yeah, New World launched. um, I think it was beginning of the month. It was out. Sounds right. It was like, I wouldn't say a closed beta. It was like a closed pre-release uh, where like kind of bigger name uh, influencers in the field were given like two weeks or so, or people that pre-ordered. Uh, like I said, New World, it, you know, it, it looks promising. The things that I read about it, uh, but any new MMO is uh, is going to have. It's either going to be incredibly buggy or it's going to be very sparse in content. Um, so I don't know if anyone really cares about my, my recommendation would be, <laughs> uh, but my recommendation would be to give new world like a year or two, preferably two years before you consider playing it. If you want to play it now, jump in like, but I, I think in like a year or so, um, if you want to like keep the newness where like it's a wild west of rules and stuff and you can get crazy things that that will be like patched out and later, later on down the timeline, you know, maybe jump into it now, but I think in the in a year or two, we're going to see that it, it can be a serious competitor. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. So <clears throat> yeah. So right there, there's not much happening there. Um, and then mostly um, there's, a new Metroid game that came out like last weekend <laughs> that, you know, Nintendo finally dropped after what, 15 years. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. So dread, let's talk about dread for a bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about some news stories once you're done with your experience, but dread, yeah. yeah. Is dread a sequel to super Metroid or is it its own thing? It's it's a so it's Metroid and then the Game Boy Metroid Two Return of Samus, then three is Super Metroid and then there was Metroid Fusion which is four and then there now is this which is Metroid Five. Wonderful Fusion was amazing. Yeah, I played that so long ago. I actually probably should have replayed it before playing this, but where do I have time, right? And it's probably sitting right here in the stack of Game Boy Advance games. So that's right here by my desk. Uh, I have really enjoyed it. I've actually been playing it on the TV, which is fantastic. Like having Metroid 2D blown up on the big screen. So much fun. I have been loving it. So 
Um, I put in, I think my clock on the game now file says 1140 is where I'm at. And I am pretty much at the final boss. So I just beat the last probably mini boss right before I hopped on here with you. So when I just said I need a minute, I was like, oh, one of these a-holes again. (laughs) Um, I thought they've done a good job with the game. Um, It plays really smooth from from my experience. I played it in handheld just a little bit, but mostly I have played on the TV, though, which is a little different for me. I tend to play my Switch in handheld a lot Um, because basically basically it's my travel system. Um, What else you want to know about it? (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. Um, There have been two articles that caught my mind or caught my eye. One of them was put in our chat. And it was okay, Metroid Dread hold, fan. Hold up, hold, yeah, so we're going to talk about Metroid Dread. So if you want no spoilers, probably skip ahead like five minutes. Right, Mike? Oh, you know what? I don't I don't want spoilers. Let's skip Metroid Dread. No, I'm well, just kidding. No, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I it's spoilers. I, this isn't like full spoiling, but if you're like, hey, I really don't want to know anything, probably skip ahead like five minutes. So. Yeah, we're, we're going to really try and keep it five minutes level. Um uh, but yeah, so start, that would just be for the, for the first article. The second article is a little bit more ambiguous. So let's try and keep this article five minutes starting now. Metroid Dread fans are celebrating when they finally get the Morph Ball. In most Metroid games, the Morph Ball is like the first, second, or third upgrade you get. Yeah, it's usually first or second. Yep. So where is the Morph Ball in the game? Like, how long does it take? Gosh, I want to say it probably took me four or five hours to get it. It's it's decently in. Are you like, serious? Yeah, well, she has the slide technique now, so she can do the little ground slide. But there'll be spots where you're like, you'll see something, and you're like, I just want to grab that thing, but she can't go into a ball and grab it. So because she doesn't have the ability. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, there's there's spots where like you can like slide, but you can't turn into the ball, and then. And you don't even have the other ability that comes usually with that. So um, you know what that is, right? Uh, I, 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 I do not care about spoilers. You are welcome um, to talk. Well, yeah, so just bombs, right? You know, bombs are a big part of the game, too. So it takes a little bit even longer to get the bombs after that. So uh, I have now, I believe I have all the upgrades. So um, all the classic weapons are in here. It's fantastic. I've been loving it. So... I thought they've done a great job. It's, but yeah, I was like literally like the one kind of like, thank you, Jesus. This has to be the morph ball. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of twi- like tweets out here. First impressions of Metroid Dread can be summed up with, bro, give me the morph ball, please. <laughs> yeah. I keep running into places where I'm obviously supposed to use it. And please, game, just let me get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, some people took the cover of dude where's my car yeah <laughs> like an old ashton kutcher movie and they uh they photoshopped car out and said morph ball no. <laughs> i guess it's an actual thing like how long it takes to get this yeah is the other one the like a pokeball supposedly or something i can't tell what that is i don't know the other meme under that one oh, there is so much like so many but, uh, people are are pissed about it's so been th- three thousand years is like the one on this one but I, and i just think of rose it's been 84 years <laughs> yeah so here's the thing that i don't 
some people I, are pointing to Dread, saying that the morph ball delay is evidence of poor game design, which goes into another article that uh, that we'll talk about once uh, our three minutes are up. Now, I wish I took a timer, um, but <laughs> I um, so the but the uh, the idea that this adds on to the difficulty because the morph ball is a tool that you uh, tend to get very early in the game is absurd to me. I just think yep. they just shuffled it. I don't think that necessarily indicates difficulty. It may make you frus- frustrated because you're expecting the game to follow in certain steps and certain yep. tropes. Um, but it's but like, you know... I've I- loved it that the game does not hold your hand. It is basically like you go where you want to go or try to go. Like That has been fantastic. Like A lot of games now are like, you need to go here. Nope, now you need to go here. This one, like, nope. They basically tell you nothing. The guy will be like, at one point, the guy's like, you kind of need the gravity suit for this. I think it's like four hours later, I finally got the stupid suit. I was like, good lord. I'm like, I've got to be getting this. Like, nope, they give you a different power up. And I'm like, okay, so when am I going to get this? Because they mentioned it. <laughs> like, there's there's a reason why it's called the, the, that this game participated in the creation of a genre, right? Metroidvania. Right. Yep. Uh, and if I remember correctly, Super Metroid, um, like they didn't necessarily hold your hand either. Nope. Uh, I don't think it was so. Like you, it was a. I, I feel like it's a little bit more of a guided path than Dread is. Right. I would say it's a little bit more linear than Dread. Yes. Right. That's because a- like it, you do, you go in and you're not very far before you get to a wall that requires like super missiles to blow up. Yep. So it's like, oh, okay, I can't come here. But it sounds like dread. You can go pretty far into an area before you realize you're not supposed to be there. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and then they've got the typical like, this is the hot room. As soon as you go in there, you start taking damage. So you know, like, can't go that way. Remember to come back. And then the map is very well done. They did a good job there. Um, and then the other cool thing that I read I didn't get to do is that you can actually break the path, get the bo- the morph ball early, and then it makes the one boss fight totally different and you can do a different thing so i was like that's really cool that they plug that into it that is awesome um we are coming up at the end of our five minutes you have anything else you want to say no i've enjoyed it i'm glad they did what they did it's been fun i think like i said i probably right at the very end because they said hey like go do this thing now and so i'm just debating if i want to try to get 100 percent. i have not looked to see the Always with Metroid, right? There's the endings, right? It's beat it in this many hours and beat it in this many hours with 100% completion, right? So right. I do not know those marks. So that's not spoilers. So if we're running into it, I'm fine with that. Uh, okay. So I'm just debating on if how I want to do it, right? Do I want to go try to get 100% now before I finish it? Um, or do I want to... Because I know I'm not getting like any speed run type thing here. <laughs> All right, cool. So five minutes are up now. The next article I want to bring up does still involve Metroid Dread, but it's non-spoilery. Um, excuse me, that, that alcohol. Ooh, I gotta get another swig. <laughs> Ooh, uh, okay, here we go. Um, so, um, there is another article. Uh, actually, it, it's more than an article. It's It's like a series of complaints. And some people are saying that Metroid Dread is just too hard. Tell me your experience about Metroid Dread's difficulty. I, it's it's a little challenging in a few spots. Uh, 
there was one mini boss that I was thinking I had to beat it a different way. Uh-huh. And I did it a different way finally and just finally went like guns blazing and it and I finally beat it. No boss has been I mean, I've probably died somewhere between five to ten times on every boss. But you figure out the pattern and you get through it for me. I don't know if that's just because I'm a veteran Metroid player. But yeah, like one of the bosses today I was battling, I was like, are you serious? Like, how many times do I have to hit you? And then the other time I tried, I changed up my tactic and tried a different weapon and it went by so much faster. I was like, ooh, don't know why that was different, but it worked better. So um, difficulty wise, yeah, there's a few of the inventory items to find you know you see them skid around and they're puzzles because you got to figure out how to get to it so a couple of those have been really challenging i will say that but boss fights overall and just getting through it it's been yeah i needed maybe somewhere between five to ten tries but i got through most bosses so do you think it is incredibly difficult what's your what's your opinion on that i didn't think so i thought it was typical metroid like Super Metroid type. I don't really remember Fusion. That's the part that's bugging me. But to well, me, it's been a classic Metroid game where you die a few times, but you learn from every one, and then you get through it. So it, it's very interesting because um, there is... Uh, I'm trying to find... Oh, geez. I'm trying to find like particular news articles. But I think this one that I have here... Um, typifies the general response. There is a subset of people, uh, reviewers in particular, that grade Metroid Dread extremely low because it is too hard. Um, so the one that comes up to me is uh, Metroid Dread is a sacred cow with bad design, says the God of War creator. David Jaff's frustrations with Metroid Dread have triggered a larger debate over the difficulty and design of recent games. Um, hmm. Here's a <laughs> Jaff uploaded, decided to upload a video in which he reacted to his own live stream by suggesting that the problem wasn't that he couldn't solve the puzzle, but that the puzzle itself and more of Metroid Dread represents Bush League design that should not get a pass. You really have to see it for yourself to appreciate Jaff's passion in the matter. Um, and and here's the thing. Uh, for people who have listened to the podcast for a while now, know that uh, Luke and I once got into a discussion, right, about difficulty and accessibility. And uh, the topic at that time was Sekiro. And my argument was that, well... Um, game designers should be allowed to make a call on if they want to make their game one difficulty or not. And I think Luke agreed with me, but Luke convinced me that, you know, accessibility is still important despite the view of, um, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, accessibility is still important. D- uh, despite the, what am I trying to go for? The artistic, uh, intention of of the developer. Okay, so I think we had a really good conversation about that, but apparently Metroid Dread's difficulty level is higher than that of most games. Uh, I find that very, very funny 
considering the fact that David Jaff was director of God of War, who created the Valkyrie Queen boss. Oh, Jesus. That thing was so hard. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I imagine in this article, like he's talking about puzzles, right? How puzzles may not necessarily be intuitive. As a dungeon master, I run into that all the time, where I will design a puzzle and like my players don't think it's intuitive or that it required an out-of-the-box solution. I think there's one instance where in Metro Dread you have to shoot the ceiling and there's no indication that that's what you have to do. Um, I just remember as a kid, I'd just plant super bombs all over the place because I wanted to see if they were hidden stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Uh, and the opposing argument is like, well, Metroid, Metroid Dread is not necessarily hard. It just doesn't hold your hand. Right. And that's different than difficulty. Yeah, there may be a poorly designed puzzle or two. I think every game has got that. But it's not necessarily a hard game. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's difficulty curve may be a little bit higher. That doesn't necessarily make it impossible. Yeah, like Sekiro, um, I would say is a harder game than Metroid because yes. I did not get as far in Met in Sekiro as I have in Metroid. So right, and I think that um, like a guy who created the Valkyrie Queen boss, who I've seen streamers take eighty-two attempts. Strawberry Farmer is a, a streamer who has a YouTube video where she where she beats. Um, the Valkyrie Queen, and I think it's over the course of like two episodes, and she has a death counter, and she was in the 80s before she finally before and, she finally beat it. And yeah. this guy's like dreads too hard, or rather, <laughs> more accurately, what he's saying is it's it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but God of War was tough too in spots, right? It yeah, was, it like, was. Those Valkyries were rough. It took me for I had to drop it to easy because I'm a. I wanted to cheese the platinum a little bit, but I finally got it. <laughs> now, now, albeit um, that while there were puzzles in God of War, uh, the difficulty change doesn't change the puzzles. It changes the difficulty of the enemies, right? So, mm -hmm. dread doesn't have accessibility, you know, and that's something that should always be discussed. I I'm still of the opinion that uh, it is up to the developer to make that choice. But if they decide to keep it one difficulty, that doesn't necessarily mean, and I am totally open for people to correct me on this, um, who this particularly applies to, but if they have only one difficulty, they're not, I, I, don't, I don't believe that they are uh, intentionally cutting out a player base. Um, now, I'm always down for more accessibility options, and I will always, always go for that. But I think it ultimately is also up to the developer as well. I don't think Metroid Dread uh, is going to be necessarily hard. I think it will require people to kind of take a step back into thinking, oh, okay, these are harder style games. Um, or not necessarily harder. This game doesn't hold your hand. You can make a mistake and you don't find out about it till down the line. So, Yeah, I mean, just like that, even that boss. I mean, I'm at the end and I've got most of the good stuff, right? I mean, I've Literally, no, actually, I have all the stuff, as far as I can tell. I have all the, the stuff, and I died several times, but it's just getting the pattern down. And I've faced the same thing multiple times. It was just, this one's harder. So, just slightly different, a little bit stronger. Just, it's getting your timing down, finding the right jumps. It's, it's Metroid. And then the map is very nice. It shows the color-coded doors. It shows everything as you scroll over it. So, I was like... 
this is fantastic. <laughs> like it'll be so much easier to go back and grab everything. Right. Right. But the harder part is figuring out how to get a few of those things. Cause you're like, Oh, this is a fun little puzzle. Like, how do I do that? I think I spent 15 minutes or so trying to figure out the exact way to get an energy tank today. Well, part of an energy tank, but I still did it. <laughs> like, cause I was like, it's gotta be this. Oh, I can actually do that. And then that's like a really cool feeling though, is like, Oh, I can do that with her. Oh, maybe that's how I go get that one in that other area, right? It's learning the game mechanics a little bit beyond what they've taught you. Yeah. Um, going into um, David uh, uh, David Jaffs, further into what he said, there was one person who, uh, Nintendo Maniacs, or Nintendo, Nintendonomics? Oh, yeah, Nintendonomics, like economics. This is all true, Nintendo says, but there is also a divide in you resorting to claiming bad game design when in reality you were playing the game badly. Mm. David Scott Jaff replies, it's bad game design when you hide a critical path. Now, for those who don't know, a critical path is a term that's not just using games. It's used, you know, in schooling with like the shortest amount of classes you can take to get through your schooling. It can be used in projects. A critical path is the longest stream of actions that you must take in order to complete something, right? Other tasks uh, can be perhaps done simultaneously, but the critical path is a sequential is a, a sequential path of actions you must take before completion. Yep. In other words, the min- a minimum. So he says it's bad game design when you hide <laughs> a critical path using techniques that commonly are only used to hide secret areas. So basically what he's saying is like if you go into a room, it's a dead end, uh, but you cannot progress through the game because there is a hidden path behind one of those walls. Um, and that's the only way you can progress into the game. He says that's bad game design. It's also bad game design when there are ways for the breadcrumbs that you left for players to find that particular path to vanish, thus leaving the player with no info. I still disagree with that because because Super Metroid is one of the greatest games of all time, and there are tons of instances exactly how he describes you wouldn't see this path forward unless you shined your x-ray vision on it and you saw, oh, that's a fake path. Yep. Um, I think that is Metroid. And Metroid created the Metroidvania genre. I think if you're going to get into the genre, that's a skill that you have to obtain. You have to be able to look at your entire map and be like, that hallway, even though it's marked as an end, may potentially hide something because there is a space between that hallway and the next hallway, maybe there's a hole I can blow up in the ceiling. Symphony yep. of the Night does that. Symphony of the Night is a game where you can discover the entire map and find the entire border of the map and still only have 97% complete. <laughs> because you have to go and use every single ability that you may not have in order to get that 100%. Although David Jaff, of course, is saying a critical path, meaning the story cannot progress until you find that hidden spot. However, I feel like this is a trope of the genre, right? Yeah. And I think they even tell you at one point, like, hey, use everything at your disposal to figure out where hidden things are or whatever. So, Right. And not only that, they're also creating a game where back in the day when Super Metroid was released, there was no internet. You had to go onto Nintendo Power or buy a strategy guide. And or Game Pro, was, man. Don't forget Game Pro. 
or Game Pro, and you know, like there. So, Met- if if he says Super Metroid is like you know, it doesn't quite do it to the same degree as Metroid Dread. I think Metroid Dread is like Super Metroid in the fact that like at, they know at any moment, at any moment, a player can go to GameFacts.com and look up where they need to go. Mm-hmm. You know. At any given moment. So they're trying to find that line where it's like, we want it to be difficult, but not so difficult that they just resort to a walkthrough. But we do want it to be more difficult or trickier or more challenging than other games where you can just sit there, zone out, and not do anything. Like, we're starting to enter in an era where infinite information about a game is available at a split second decision. Um, and so, yeah, it, you know, it may have more hidden things or challenging or, I don't know, crappily hidden paths in, than Super Metroid was. But Super Metroid was designed 30 years ago. Holy crap. 28 years ago. 1994. Actually. Yeah, 1994. Damn. <laughs> okay. that I'm done with Metroid Dread. Um, okay, what game do you want to talk about next? Or okay, what story? Let let's uh let's just warm up a little bit more. I got one more game or two things. Let's just hit this one. This will be thirty seconds. Pedro Pascal was constantly uh, laughed at for being Joel from Last of Us in HBO's um, upcoming series. There was a screenshot, and dare I say, dare I say, he looks very much like Joel. It looks fantastic. Um, I'm excited. I know people were saying like, "What? A, this is a crappy." Uh, uh, casting. Uh, I don't think characters need to look like their game counterparts for it to be a good or bad casting. We're talking about the guy who played Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's and- crazy too is just the details. Someone showed the backpack in the game and the backpack he's using in in this in the real life show, and they're like identical to a T. Like they're like, look at. There's a little bit of like mud or stitching here for the patch. Like it's all good. Like they point out like four different things. Like, like this is identical to this from the game. And I was like, that's awesome when they can do that kind of detail and make sure they're catching those things. Right. So uh, that is at the last of us news, Pedro Pascal, Joel on set. That was a tweet done at 10 PM, October 12th. Look it up. It looks great and not only that it is hbo so you do know that there is a budget behind it i'm so glad this is going to be turned into a series rather than a movie Mm -hmm. all right the next uh story i will get into um will be a DD source book for our DD listeners um and then i don't know if you've got a story you want to cover next we talked a variety of stories but i don't know if you want to jump we can well, do you want me to just touch on the Madden thing real quick? And touch then on we the Madden just... thing really quick. I'll get into the D&D sourcebook after. Yeah, but Madden, um, so John Gruden's been fired from the Raiders head coach this week, and they have also are going to pull him from the game, Madden 22. So um, in the game, it sounds like you can also sometime, you can sometimes see the head coach on the sidelines, and that's where his likeness is, but they're going to pull him. Um so he uh, hit the spotlight last week over allegations. He made a racist comment against NFL players, union chief, Demaris uh, Smith. And when they found out about the New York times, he sent uh, um, and 
which was then found by the New York Times to have sent other emails to peers and colleagues in which he denounced the emergence of women as referees, the drafting of a gay player, and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem. So he's had emails between colleagues, and then those have come to light, and um, those seem to have gotten him in trouble. And he's also called NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell a clueless anti-football pussy, along with even (laughs) worse homophobic slur. And that, as stated by the New York Times, Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, then the coach of the Rams, to draft queers, a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player chosen by the team in 2014. So this is kind of even more in kind of the blizzard stuff, but... It's just hitting like so and numerous emails during a seven year period in early 2018. Gruden criticized Goodell um, for trying to reduce concussions and said Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated during the playing of the national anthem, should be fired. Um, he is, again, the homophobic slurs. So he's just been come things he said in the past are coming back to bite him. And plus, you probably shouldn't be saying these things or having these feelings. Right. So but. Yeah, so because of that, he lost his job, and then they're also pulling him out of the game. So, And that can be massive, too. I have mm-hmm. played MLB The Show, and I know that like with other sport games where you build your team or you build a player, like these are major changes to the game that can occur, so pretty big news. Yeah, yeah so EA's announcement was basically they're saying they're committed to taking action and maintaining a culture of inclusion and, e- and equity. Due to the circumstances of John Gruden's resignation, they are taking steps to remove him from Madden NFL 22. Huh. It sounds kind of like another story that we'll get into. Yeah. So they'll replace him with a generic likeness via a title update in the coming weeks. Um, okay. So uh, is he uh, just like totally out of the of the NFL? Now? He resigned. He resigned this week. Yep. He resigned. Yeah. So as far as I know, he's just gone. I don't know if he's taken on any other types of role, but he has resigned from head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders today or well this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so again, I don't think we should have those biases or, but again, it just shows as I was talking to a youth, you know, I think it was last year, careful what you write down and what you say. It can always come back to bite you. So, right. And it's not even necessarily like, Oh, is what I'm saying. Uh, so it's something because I don't agree with any of like this stuff. Like, right. I, I am all for equality and everything. Right. It comes so. down to whether or not you're just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right. I will be the first to say I have used um, horrible words. I've used derogatory comments during my time in high school. Part of that was because I was a kid Another part of that was during the time that we were at, uh, and you just don't think about some of the vocabulary that you use or the way how you think about certain people. That is something I think every human being goes through. And it's more about like how you change as a person, uh, how you recognize whether or not you have hurt or you have done things that are potentially hurtful in the past and you learn from it, you become better. There is... um, I've, I've always, I've, I've always been, um, open to like say, Hey, I, I am a very different person than what I was in high school. The Mm -hmm. flip side, if people are talking about like, be careful 
what you say or do because you never know if you're going to be canceled. It just comes down to whether or not you're an asshole. Because if <laughs> yeah. a person is not an asshole and they say or do something that's offensive, they're just like, whoa, I didn't realize that the things that I say and do are are hurtful to people. I sincerely apologize and I hope you see that my course of action is very different. However, people can show you that you just don't give two shits and you will still do say or or whatever it is you may do and, and it's still hurtful and people tell you, hey, that's hurtful and you just don't care and you get canceled, then it's you suffering consequences. Yeah. Okay. But we'll talk about that a little bit more a little bit later because I'm sure this is going to come up with the Activision stuff. So, Ooh, okay. Oh, man, you did you spoiled the surprise. Nah. Oh well, no, we are we already talked. <laughs> what's your what's your other story that you wanted to touch on real quick? Oh, um, just really D&D? quick. So, D and D, there there is a new book coming out, Fizzbands Treasury of Dragons. It's a player's handbook for dungeon masters. Um, so uh, for people who don't uh, who don't know. Uh, the general D&D terminology or even uh, just normal tabletop RPGs because there are more games than Dungeons and Dragons out there and there and many of them are fantastic. However, D&D is a flagship, so we're, we're talking about it. There is a new book that was delayed recently. Um, it's called Fizzbands Treasury of Dragons. It is like an encyclopedia compendium of, of dragons as well as some new rules. It is meant specifically for Dungeon Masters. Uh, or game masters. Basically, it is a resource that you can use to enhance your game. Um, it has. Did you uh, say it, enhance your game? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I missed a joke. If you were going uh, for a joke, in my head, I was like thinking Viagra or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then it didn't come out right. That was just kind of trying to be funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, just so, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, this article by Polygon uh, was released yesterday at twelve fifty one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, they describe Fizban's Treasury of Dragons as a player's handbook made for dungeon masters. Now, for those of you who have opened up a player's handbook in any game system, a player's handbook generally has, in order for it to be considered a player's handbook, a step by step process in which you can create a character. For a player, it's going to be a character with statistics and with um, things that allow you to play the game. So, for Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons, being a player's handbook for Dungeon Masters, it contains mechanics that allows you to create your dragon or several dragons or archfiends, which is another category that they have in this book, um, for your campaign that you run. Now, not necessarily in the sense of creating stats to fight your players, but generally to flesh them out as characters, what their quirks are, what makes them tick. And um, there are mechanics in this for you to create um, such opponents or at least antagonists to your party. Um, And it's not necessarily a setting like Eberron, Rising from the Last, which was a setting that was uh, put out. It's not necessarily a campaign. It's more of like a book of tools that you can use as a dungeon master. And a friend of mine and I were talking about it last night, and as well as Michelle. And it's something that has a lot of potential um, 
Like it has a lot of potential. It's 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 one of those books where, you know, I think if a system creates a book that you can buy and apply it to another system, it's a very very good book. And I feel like this is one of those. Um, Dungeons and Dragons has had quite a few books like that that can be applied to other systems, and I feel that uh, Fizzband will be definitely another one to look forward to. So it will have an entire um, guide or resource that you can pull from in order to create um, dragons, like what they collect, what colors they are, where they reside, what their personality traits are, what their what their motives are. You create characters that you can control to make high-level villains or even allies or even just opposing forces to your party. It will focus on dragons, but you can also do arch fiends as well. You should be able to generate um, five or more levels worth of gameplay with just a few hours work. So you punch in a few hours and you bring out a few weeks worth of content for your players. Most It should be noted that the majority of campaigns for Dungeons & Dragons books and I would say for a good chunk of other games separate from Dungeons & Dragons, don't ever bring your characters to maximum level. Um, it will mostly teeter out around level, you know, for Dungeons & Dragons 10, 11, 12. Even the new Critical Role, which is a name brand at this point, uh, the new Critical Role campaign, Call of the Nether Deep, players will start off at level 3, but they will end around level 12. Uh, and so there tends to be like a void of content between like levels 12 to 20. 20 being the max. You can go higher than that, but it's very, it, it's it's nebulous. It's not super defined. Um, but you can, uh, you can create these villains or characters and create content for, for several levels worth of play. Uh, within just a few hours with this with this uh, upcoming book, which is to be released uh, around... What's the new release date? It was actually going to be released like a week from now, but I think it is now being released at the end of the month, potentially the start of November. Oh, yeah, the pre-release is going to be October 26th on Roll20. Generally, the digital versions of the books will come out first before the printed version so they can make last minute changes on the prints um so it's like two or three weeks after so i think sometime in november we're gonna get fizz bands um fizz bands treasury of dragons so yeah that is something new that's really cool that's for our few D D listeners right yeah uh i mean and i i i am a huge tabletop fan I will probably be playing a Dune RPG pretty soon. I run three Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. I've got so many books. Yes, it it's an interest of mine and my listeners out there who are Dungeons and Dragons fans like me. Hi. Um, but yeah, um, you ready for this last? Are you rant? ready? Dun, dun. Dude, because I I I can already tell I'm just gonna go off. Mm-hmm. I, are you just <laughs> I'm sorry I keep on bringing up Activision Blizzard all the goddamn time and sometimes I wonder if our listeners just 
are tired of me doing this. I haven't even jumped back into that auction house scandal since I first <laughs> brought it up. What was it, like a month ago? Right. I haven't even I haven't even spent time researching that yet because Activision screws up so many times it takes up all my time for this podcast. <laughs> I love I love that I I find a thing and I'm like Dungeon Master Mike's are gonna get ready to like rage on this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Here's the thing. You, you didn't even catch all the information. <laughs> I, I know I didn't. I just find you, I just find a couple things, and then I'm like, uh, "Are we shooting for a five tequila shot, Mike, this week?" <laughs> oh my goodness, Jamie, you put up an article. Let me read the title of the article for everyone. I I think I brought this up like two episodes ago, three episodes ago, about how um, Blizzard has what like. Four legal actions done against it. Oh and yeah, like, are we going to get a fifth one by the end of the year? Oh, we yeah. got seven. <laughs> <laughs> seven is the perfect number, by the way. So, oh, okay, I'm just going to read this article. This is from PCGamer.com. Activision Blizzard lawsuits in chaos as federal agency accuses California's DFE. H of ethics violations. DFEH, Department of Employment and Housing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Department for Employment and Housing. Here's the... Here's the problem. (laughs) Okay. When... um, The last legal action that occurred against it, there was an employee advocacy group that said, hey... Blizzard, you haven't done jack shit. So, we are going to raise a class action lawsuit against you on top of everything else. And Blizzard's like, no, don't. We're going to pay you $18 million. Here are a list of conditions to accept that $18 million. And we are good. And uh, I made a point, like, I think it was actually the last episode when I was in person, I said... $18 $18 million is a drop in a bucket compared to what Activision was worth. I think they were worth like like a few billion. I, I forget how many billions they've, they've got. They are a multi-billion dollar corporation. And I said, you know what? You can work and earn every single day $5,000 since the time Christopher Columbus landed in the American islands. That's like the Caribbean and stuff. Every day you earn $5,000 since he landed there and you still would not have $1 billion. It's something along the lines of like $953 million because people don't generally understand how much a billion is. And activists yeah. like, we'll give, you, we'll give you $18 million. But, if we, but before we do that, here are some things we want you to underline and like check the box off so we can give you these $18 million legally. Just also remember, Activision Blizzard's head of legal department quit because of the stress. Am I popping off the microphone in your speakers yet? <laughs> listeners, popping. dear listeners, have you turned down the volume yet? I'm sorry. This really <laughs> fires me up because people are suffering. People are... I, I, I have a really dear friend of mine. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but I listened to his when his podcast was active. 
he was working at, at Blizzard. Uh, was it Activision Blizzard at the time? I don't remember. He was so proud. He was so proud that he worked at Blizzard. But he will be the first to tell you, like, hey, I'm a white guy that worked at Blizzard. I didn't have any idea of everything that was happening there. And since then, on my dear friend's Twitter account and his social media, he has totally been super, super critical of Blizzard. He doesn't work there anymore. He ha He's done work in other games. Uh, I don't have his permission to reveal who he is, so I won't. Um, but, like, there are people – like, people are suffering, Jamie. People are suffering. And they and and they're not getting well compensated. So one of the conditions to accept this eighteen million dollars settlement for saying, "Hey, sorry, we violated laws." Here's eighteen million dollars, but we want you to check the boxes. One of those conditions were to seal up evidence that will be brought up in the major court following that is to happen within the next year. That entire sexual assault scandal, how women have been treated like shit, have LGBT people been like not given opportunities, how women have been treated less. For some reason, they took a chunk of this evidence and they said, we will give you $18 million if you sign here and say that it is okay for us to seal this evidence away. And I don't know why. The employee advocacy group signed off for $18 million, okay? But they did. And now California's DFEH, the Department for Employment and Housing, was like, holy crap, you can't do that. No, we're going to do a whole, like, objection to it because that's part of our case. You can't make a settlement and have a different group that this evidence doesn't pertain to and have them authorize the destruction of evidence. Because that's essentially what's happening. The evidence is being sealed, but it might as well be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And so, here's the problem. Um, that advocacy group is a U.S. federal agency. The EEOC. It's a U.S. federal agency. The DFEH is a State Department of California. The State Department, California De Department of Department for Fair or for Employment and Housing says the proposed consent decree contains provisions sanctioning the effective destruction and or tampering of evidence critical to the DFEH's case, such as personnel files, uh, other doc uh, and other documents uh, referencing sexual harassment, retaliation, and discrimination. So according to PC Gamer, they say, and I quote, the DFEH is basically saying that information potentially relevant to its own case could be sealed by the conditions of this $18 million settlement and wants the time to make a fuller case to the court about why this is so. Following this, the EEOC quickly responded with a memorandum of points opposing the DFEH's appeal that contained one pretty lengthy a legally stunning revelation that leaves the case looking like it's going to become one enormous mess. The long and short is that the DFEH case has been led by two lawyers who previously worked for the EEOC. Remember, DFEH is the State Department. EEOC is the Federal Department. 
And while looking at the EEOC, they've investigated Activision Blizzard in retaliation to the claims that have led to the settlement, the settlement that they are now objecting to. If true, this would this would be a conflict of interest, a breach of professional ethics, and a violation of California law on the conduct of attorneys. Per the memorandum, specifically two DFEH attorneys who play leadership roles within the organization, previously served at EEOC, who helped to direct the EEOC's investigation into commissioner's charge number, blah, 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 against Activision Blizzard Incorporated. These same attorneys then proceeded to represent DFEH in connection with these interview intervention proceedings, which seek to oppose the consent decree that arouse out of the very investigation they helped to direct while at the EEOC. What they're saying is that there's a conflict of interest between the conditions of the settlement, this $18 million settlement with a federal agency, and the State Department's lawsuit that say it is critical. And now they're saying that this is a conflict of interest because these two head lawyers were working for the EEOC while this, I guess, uh, while some of these terms, while Blizzard was already being investigated, they shifted to the Department, of, uh, to the State Department in California, used the knowledge that they had while working for a federal agency to further a lawsuit against Blizzard. This whole thing is going to be a mess because there's going to be a court case to determine a court case to determine a court case to determine a court case. <laughs> it's a mess, James. It is. It is so, so convoluted. It is so. It's a maze of information. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile. Blizzard's quietly taking the time to do some sneaky ass shit. Okay? Let me... Where's my phone? <laughs> I had this on my phone. Your Pixel 6? No, no, it's it's the Ultra now. <laughs> um, I was trying uh, to bring it back to the beginning of the, the podcast. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to take it back. I was trying to reference it back. Uh, uh, okay. That's okay, what pros do, I guess. Here we go. Oh, I lost the page! No! Let me go to my history. Uh, settings. Everyone is going to listen to me as I try to <laughs> find my history. Privacy and security. No, that's not it. I don't want to go to settings. Where's... Was it group tabs? Oh, no. I'm going to have to do a search. Uh, come on. <laughs> I was worrying how long you could I hold just, the. Uh... I just closed it. Um, no. Okay. Um, Blizzard. Wow changes, and then I'm going to go to the news tab on Google. Man, we live in the 21st century. Don't um, we? Here we go. MMORPG. This was a story that was released two days ago on October 13th. While this entire lawsuit that has been going through and has been making a mess of the legal system, this is gonna this is gonna be a story that we follow for a while because I can't let it go. Um, but MMORPG.com uh, by Christina Gonzalez has made an article. And I got into a discussion with uh, a, a couple of discords last night about this, but Blizzard continues to silently make more changes to change insensitive, older World of Warcraft content. Okay? Now, I need to make sure something is very, very, very clear from the onset, because 
I'm about to bitch a lot, and I don't want my bitching to be misinterpreted. Um, the stuff that Blizzard does change, like the content that we're about to talk about, like it, th- this content is gross. Um, it is a reflection of a bygone era. And it is a reflection, not just of a bygone era, but of um, a, a culture that has uh, enve- been enveloped at Blizzard for years and years and years that have caused workers and employees to suffer. Okay? Um, this is all these things that I'm about to mention are going to be, you know, they're going to be kind of hard to like swallow. But the important thing is you have to consider various groups of people. There are the groups of players uh, that are actually currently playing World of Warcraft. Okay. And there are employees that are currently uh, going through the aggravating legal process against Activision Blizzard. Okay. And the stuff that I'm talking about and the things that I'm about to say don't necessarily involve those people. Um, I'm not saying these changes are not important. I'm saying that they are very important. But it is, they are fickle movements that are postulated just so that Activision Blizzard can avoid legal trouble and say, we changed these things. And Bobby Cocktick can be like, hey, we have made moves. You can't legally get us in trouble uh, when this isn't even like what pe- what World of Warcraft players are complaining about. Okay, so with that out of the way, here we go. MMORPG uh, by Christina Gonzalez has said that Blizzard has continued making changes to World of Warcraft to make the game's content more inclusive. There are several new updates that have been spotted each falling in line with the rest of the recent updates that changed uh, that changed content named after employees fired uh, for misconduct. Old, tasteless, and sometimes discriminatory jokes and voice lines and changes to emotes to make them less usable for targeted player abuse. So there are changes. I A couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that Blizzard silently changed two paintings in the game and these paintings were like a belly dancer. And they're like, we're going to make it a portrait of fruit in a bowl. And then there is a portrait of like a, like a, a woman who was like a wizard, but she's wearing wizard robes. And they're like draped around like her body in curvaceous ways, right? That just kind of like emphasizes the bro culture that was at blizzard and they replaced her with like where she's wearing armor and stuff. Right. But these paintings were located in incredibly old, outdated and non-populated areas. Blizzard was kind of testing to see if people would notice it. And if they did notice it, what would be the, the, like the lashback from it? It has been noticed. People do not care. So Blizzard has integrated several changes um, with old content. One of those changes would be renaming the NPC Finkel Einhorn. (laughs) Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel Finkel is Einhorn. Is Einhorn. Einhorn is... (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe I'm preaching to the choir because maybe everyone knows this reference. Maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> That's a reference to Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Everybody knows that the villain of Ace Ventura Pet Detective is a horrible representation of the trans community. Um, Lindsay Ellis does a really good video es- essay about it, how like trans people... Uh, for a long time, were just viewed as villains simply because they were trans. And she can give several examples. One of the most notable ones was uh, spoilers for the movie Psycho that was produced in the 60s. Um, but in the movie Psycho, Norman Bates, um, he he's obviously the murderer. But the scary part of the movie, the one with like the, the music, was when he comes out, he's dressed like a woman. Uh, he's dressed like his mom, particularly. Um... And, uh, like, trans people have been villainized just simply for being, just, just for simply being who they are, right? So, uh, Finkel Einhorn was the villain of Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and, uh, being trans was, like, a major plot point. Uh, and so, they threw this in there, um, they being Blizzard throwing Finkel Einhorn into World of Warcraft. They changed the name to Pip Quickwit. Uh, it's also a change that has occurred with the corresponding card in Hearthstone. Um, now, what is this show? And I'm going I'm to mention more changes, right? People are leaving World of Warcraft because the game sucks now. And I haven't played World of Warcraft since the beginning of the current expansion. I couldn't tell you what the post-game mechanics are. The current expansion is Shadowlands. The last time I played World of Warcraft pretty dedicatedly was in Legion, which was two expansions ago. uh, Or three expansions ago, depending on how you count. Uh, I'm not a huge follower of World of Warcraft, but I do know that people leave World of Warcraft and go to Final Fantasy XIV because XIV is just, at this point, it's a better game. People are saying, hey, uh, we, we really love World of Warcraft. We want you to change certain things. But Blizzard isn't paying attention to that. What they're doing is they're changing these things, like Finkel Einhorn's name, uh, which is old, old, old content that no one even really like goes to anymore because they want to save their own asses for the lawsuit. Here's the thing. World of Warcraft has been around for almost 20 years. That game has become such a behemoth that there is now tribal knowledge. Tribal knowledge meaning like there is no textbook on how to operate, fix, or do things. You kind of have to pass down the knowledge after you've been with a company for so long. It's just kind of internal knowledge. Yeah, this is how this particular NPC or this quest works because this is how we figured it out. And once that person who knows that knowledge is gone, that knowledge is gone. There is a period of rediscovery because World of Warcraft is so old and was programmed in so many different ways. Um, it's very, 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 very convoluted. It's massive. So... What this shows is that instead of making the game better, uh, which is what players want, they're going through, they're, they're taking all the developers' time to go through every line of code and to play the game in an invisible NPC god characters, to go through old content that's in WoW Classic, that's in Burning Crusade Classic, that is still available in current up-to-date World of Warcraft, They have to go through all the spots that most players at this point in the game can now bypass with ease without even encountering. 
and they're like, hey, just so that we can put in plausible deniability into this case, change these things. It takes an 80-hour work week just to find some of these things. Like Einhorn, okay? Here's another one that was changed. Uh, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Here we go. Um, some other renaming has taken place, including renaming Mac-a-re, M-A-C apostrophe A-R-E-E, to Eridath, which required updated voices with the new name. McCree is also a character that was in Overwatch. Um, and so Mac-a-re is a reference to McCree, who was another higher up at Blizzard, who ended up uh, doing some pretty nasty, dirty things. And, um, you know, it comes down to, like, Blizzard, maybe you shouldn't have just idolized and deified uh, people who worked at the company. Maybe that was a bad move. Maybe those people weren't really cool. Maybe you should stop glorifying people like rock stars and stop putting them inside the game. A series of other changes seem to reflect an effort to clean up risque jokes, sexual references, or in the case of the NPC Theresa in the Undercity, and the involvement of Gerard Abernathy, references to a lack of consent, domination, experimentation on Therasa, mind control, and other elements of dialogue in these related quests were changed to remove the lack of consent. Right? This is something that should change, but it is all superficial and performative to avoid a lawsuit. Um, for anybody who listens to this podcast, um, who feels that like, these are really, really important changes. I'd love to hear your opinions. Um, I hope that I have demonstrated on the podcast that, Hey, I'm, I'm open and I'm willing to learn and stuff. But from what I, what I gather is that people aren't necessarily looking for changes like these right now. They're looking for two things. They're looking for, uh, for, Activision Blizzard to take responsibility for the things that they have done by coming forward in this lawsuit, compensating people fairly, and making actual legitimate change within the company. And for the player base, they want to make the game better um, so that people will be more willing to stick with Activision Blizzard. But they're making these changes in content that's old that people can pass, and it's not a main talking point right now. And it's all performative. There's another thing that it, that occurred. They're, they are taking out all references. Uh, cleric spells, for example. Or priest spells, not cleric. Cleric is D&D. Uh, or spells in general that say things like domination or mind control. They are removing all of that because it has an implied lack of consent. Also, there is a reference to orcs in old content. Now, if you remember... Uh, people who have played Warcraft, not World of Warcraft, but Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, you'll know that the original storyline is simply humans versus orcs. And so one of the very early pieces of content in World of Warcraft is referring to orcs as greenskins. There is thought that that was removed to take out a potential legal action uh, from Warhammer 50k, However, uh, people are also saying that that can also have like racial implications. Greenskins referring to orcs. Uh, 
Um, but the thing is, they're spending so much time, effort, resources on changing these small things that A, does not help the people that work there at Blizzard. B, does not help the player base. C, does not necessarily make anyone feel inclusive. I'm opening the change on that point. Um, it is just to cover their own goddamn asses so they can figure out a way to pay less money when the lawsuit comes through a couple years from now and to keep their value on their shares so that shareholders don't sell. And that's what disgusts me about this whole thing. It's all performative. It doesn't make anything better for anybody. It's helping Bobby Cocktick keep his pockets filled with money. And it pisses me off. And I just want it all to burn down to the ground. Burn it down, man. I'm done. How long have I been talking? Uh, Like 15 minutes, I'd say. That's like... That's what I was expecting. About a 15 to 20. That's 20% of the podcast. (laughs) But you're also providing a lot of facts and details of what's going on and... There's just so many news outlets reporting on it, right? There's so it's, much to dive into, like you said. It's just it's... so ugly. Like, I can't tell you. Uh, here, and where most of my anger comes from, right? I love, I, I loved Blizzard games. Um, I loved Diablo 1. For some reason, I couldn't get into Diablo 2. Warcraft, World of Warcraft, Overwatch for a time. Um... I remember in high school reading up on StarCraft Ghost. You know, and um, it's one of those things when you find out that something that you feel was probably formulative growing up um, and you have such a great opinion of it and it's just so disastrous and just so disappointing. That's why I'm so critical about it. I know a lot of people that, for example... Uh, and this is previous generations from us who loved uh, the stand-up of Bill Cosby and were so just angry at the things that he did because it's like, we looked up to you, we laughed at your jokes and you you just turned out to be a disgusting person. Louis C.K. is another example of a comedian that just absolutely just did something disgusting and like I was a fan of his before I found that out and I found that out and now I'm like I can't even listen to his comedy thinking like there's an element of truth to it um, and I think it just kind of shows like how we were as a society 10, 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, being a gamer and being a fan of their early games it's just it needs to change you know, I, I feel like it needs to just be rebuilt more than just simply be renamed, more than just being simply completely uh, absorbed into Activision and become an Activision robot. I just think it really needs to burn um, because they've hurt people and it needs to stop and they're not doing anything to make amends. So. I, I feel think that. I have taken a breath. 
Uh, yeah, no, you've you've been covering a lot of that for us and keeping tabs on it, and it's very it seems like a very passionate item for you. So, yeah, uh, it's because I want people to feel comfortable with gaming. I want women. I want more women in gaming. I want people to feel comfortable. Like, hey, I can talk about my games without like being, um, you know either sexualized or abused or mistreated like it's just there's no reason to not like there's no reason to not be kind to people or uh, there's no reason to be an asshole just just do your best be cool if everyone were cool the world would be a better place and um blizzard isn't that so i've talked enough uh do you have anything else to cover my friend I don't think so. I think we covered everything that we set out to cover. So cool. about an hour, hour and 20 minute episode. That's pretty good for us. Yeah, <laughs> you that and me. Bad. <laughs> that really ain't bad. Um, I'm curious so, about Far Cry 6. Have you heard anything on that? That, that I, might be the only thing to touch on. I know it came out last weekend with Metroid Dread, but I haven't couple, heard much. I've never actually gotten into the Far Cry series. I know 3 was when it really took off. Um. I didn't want to play. I, I was thinking about getting into it, and then there was a Far Cry Primal or something where you play as like a caveman. Hmm. And I saw someone kill a turtle in the game, and I'm like, no, because I'm a big fan of turtles. In case people didn't know, I love, love, love turtles. And when I saw a turtle die, I was like, I don't want to play it anymore. And now I'm getting to the point where it's like, you know, maybe I'll get into Far Cry Six. I don't know. That makes sense. You always tell me you've got a turtle head poking out of its shell, so now I know why you love turtles. Yeah, I love turtles. I love turtles, man. Uh, okay, so um, but that being covering everything, uh, thank you all for listening. But Captain Platinum, what is that thing? Guys, over the next week, you guys should all you know game harder. Thank you so much. Good talking with you, man. We'll catch Good you guys next time. You. Yeah, everyone, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.